0: We have um, been looking at a series over the last couple of weeks on uh, four letter words. You're probably, if you're here this morning, going four letter words. We're in church. Um, and that when you were younger, and maybe now, there are, are certain four letter words that, that you couldn't say. And, um, you know, and, and I was even thinking about like in the workplace and, um, uh, maybe in school, there, there are, uh, maybe words that you're not allowed to say because you make people feel uncomfortable or maybe it's in the workplace, uh, some words you're not supposed to use because uh, not to offend any person. Um, and and if, if, if you look online, there are tons of articles that speak to the very subjects, words or phrases not to use. And, and so I was actually reading through some and I thought it was, it was kind of interesting like... like um, Words or phrases not to use at a job interview. I'm going to give you a true story. Um, years ago, when we were looking for a staff uh, person, I actually got a resume. And on the cover letter, it said, cover letter, the first like three sentences, it says, I do come with a lot of emotional baggage. So I'm thinking to myself, thinking in the back of my mind, four hours of counseling every single day with this person, right? So kind of probably not the right thing to put on the front of a, of a cover letter. Um, here are things or phrases to avoid on your first date. They, they said kind of avoid these words. Avoid any sense that begins with my psychiatrist, probably, probably not, not not, a good idea. Or any sense that starts with the word fungus, probably not a good idea. Uh, so, you know, there's these words that we use in, in church. There are also words that we seem to avoid uh, at, in, in th- th- that we've been talking about. In the past few weeks, we looked at words like holy and obey. Those are certain words we tend not to really talk about a whole lot in the church. They're important. You know, we'd kind of rather talk about You know how do we how 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 can we be happy instead of holy or maybe how to be blessed than obey and but these words are in the Word of God and these words are things that I believe God wants us to look at and that God wants us to understand. So I I want to tackle these four letter words that we don't seem to talk about and so today I want to talk about the word fear. Now you might be thinking, well, Pastor. Okay fear obey I get it that's a hard word to obey or the word holy that that God desires us to be holy those seems to be to be more difficult words but but the word uh you know fear you know we all have our certain uh fears and 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 that's a word that, that you may be thinking, well, we can talk about that word. I don't, I don't have a problem with that one. But here's the thing I want you to realize this morning. I'm not talking about physical fears. I'm not talking about the fear of being attacked by a rabid-infested raccoon. Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about... And I do have that fear, by the way, that if you walk out at night... It was so funny. Last week, my wife and I got to chaperone my son's prom... And he didn't care. Isn't that cool? My son's the best. He didn't care. And so we're 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 in the backdrop, and it was at the zoo. It was at the Seneca Park Zoo, so it was kind of cool. And uh, we left about a half an hour before it all kind of wounded down. And I'm not kidding you. I saw a raccoon, and it, I just I freaked a little bit. And so I just got behind Kathleen, and she protected me, and we we're fine. We we're we we're good. It was getting into some some garbage. But I, I, another true story. I I like to jog around our neighborhood, and the Canadian geese, you know, they're they're nesting and you know they're just so much fun aren't they they're just remember as a kid you're like oh look at there's a canadian geese. woohoo! and now we're like there's millions of them you just they're all over so there's these two canadian geese that are nesting by a pond that's across the street from our house and never had a problem before but there's this one geese and he i call him rambo geese now because he will attack you he, they will i don't know it might be the female i don't know how you tell that the difference, I don't know. But anyways, I don't know how you tell the difference between male and female. But but anyways, this, this Rambo geese just started attacking me. And I, if, if a neighbor would have saw me, I would have been so embarrassed. And don't judge me because you would have done the same thing. I probably got 150 pounds on this... Canadian geese, but I don't care. They're scary. You know, he's got this little ammo thing around him. He's carrying an M16. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Every time I see that I'm like walking way on the other side of the street and, uh, because I'm fearful of these little birds. But, but anyways, but, but here's the thing. We're, We're okay to talk about those fears. There's, there's not a lot of judgment because we all struggle with, with some type of fear. Maybe for you, it's the the, the the fear of heights or whatever whatever it may be rambo geese whatever whatever your fear is we all have these certain fears but what I want to talk to you about is a fear that we don't seem to talk a whole lot about and these are things that we're not we we may not think about it a lot but they are things that affect each and every one of us like the fear of rejection um, I will not let people get close to me because I've got burnt in the past so I don't want this to happen again so I have this Fear of, 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 of being rejected or a fear of failure. You know, what, what if I mess up? What if I don't live up to other people's expectations? What if people disapprove of me? And this can literally paralyze us. The the, the fear of performance, how well I do. And maybe you're brought up in a family where, where this was an issue where it was, it was this constant fear of how well I do i do how well how well i score how well my grades are how well i do at sports whatever it may be and there's this there's this expectation that was placed in the family to live up to these certain expectations and if they weren 't lived up to, there would be this disappointment, and so the rest of our lives we 're we're, we're trying to make up for that by by pleasing our parents through this performance to try to gain their acceptance in in their loves and, and Really, where do all these fears stem from well here 's what I believe I believe all these fears stem from the fear of people there, there's this there 's this fear of pleasing people. And, and, and let, let's be honest with ourselves. If we're truly honest with ourselves, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Isn't that true? We, 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 we live in a world where we're constantly trying to impress other people by what we have, by what we do, by what we wear, by who we hang out with. All these things really are trying to impress people. And I believe at the, at the root of that is there 's this fear of of people how and so the question is how do we overcome the fear of being this this people pleaser or trying to impress people because it 's an issue that of acceptance it 's an issue of, of 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 am i needed and and you know it's it starts all the way in grade school right and high school and the different cliques that people begin to hang out with, because it's this, it's this fear of people that I need to be accepted. So I need to be in this group of people that accept me for who I am. And so we all have this fear within us. And so how do I break this approval issue of of man? And how do, how do I break the constant need to be a people pleaser, even if I don't think I am? I'm, I, if, if you look at your notes, we're going to look in just a second on, on maybe some things that, that we might be doing that we've never even thought about in the area of people pleasing. So what I want to do this morning, I want to jump into the book of Galatians. And the Apostle Paul deals with this very same issue with another Apostle, Peter. And in the early church, there arose this problem between Gentiles and those who weren't Gentiles, which were Jews. And if you understand anything about the first century... Uh, these two groups of people did not get along because the Jews would see the Gentiles as unclean. They couldn't hang out with them. They couldn't be around them. They had to be within their certain groups because they would consider the Gentiles unclean. If you hung out with them, that means you were unclean and then you couldn't go in the temple and worship. And so there was this huge rift between these two people. Now, what happened is Jesus came gave his life for us on the cross. He bridged the gap between these two people that Jesus says, in me now, everyone is one. There's no division between Jew and Gentile, male and female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. He broke those barriers down. And so what began to arise within the church is that they began to kind of morph back into getting into their own little groups. And what they began to say is as Christians, as a Christian Jew or a Christian Gentile, what began to happen is they began to morph back into their groups. And so many Jewish people began to morph back into their Jewish kind of customs and their ways. And they began to ignore... The, the Gentile Christian, they almost began to think we're a little bit better than you because we're keeping some of these customs, which you don't keep. So we're going to kind of hang out in our group Well, you're in your group. And what happened is uh, Peter began to kind of go back to these Jewish people and these customs to hang out. And he began to kind of ignore the Gentile Christians. And, and Paul, being a Jew, caught him on this and kind of said, Wait a minute, Peter, what are you doing? You're you're going back, You're, you're, you're kind of being a hypocrite here. If Christ came and he died for everyone and we're all one now, then why are you kind of moving back over into these groups? And some were even saying within these groups that you couldn't even become a Christian unless you followed certain customs. Circumcision being one of them, eating certain foods was another. Here's, I think, the mistake the church makes is that when people come to church, they feel like there's all these certain expectations, all these hoops that they have to jump through, all these hurdles that they have to jump over before they even become a Christian. So many people feel like, if I'm going to come to church, i got to look a certain way, i gotta, I got to dress a certain way. And here at Living Word, we say, listen... Just wear clothes, okay? Just come as you are, and just wear clothes, and that's that's fine. We don't mind. You know, you don't have to wear a suit and tie to to come. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't care what color your hair. We 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 don't care. We want you to come as you are. How many know that when we begin to put hurdles in front of people and barriers in front of people from even coming to the cross? Of Jesus Christ, we make them feel less than. Like you have to do these certain things before you can even become a Christian. So there are these certain customs that these Jews were bringing up that saying, "Listen, unless you do this, this, and this, you're not even considered a Christian." And so this was wrong teaching. And Paul, through his whole book of Galatians, writes to address these wrong ideas, these wrong. Teachings about what it truly means to be a Christian. And so this was causing a big rift within the body of Christ. Paul wrote this letter to address the Galatian churches and to address this problem. And so at the root of this problem was that these men, these wrong teachers were trying to please men and not God. And so what Paul does, he confronts Peter because Peter himself was falling into this trap. So Peter had no problem eating with Gentiles at the beginning, when they're all coming to Christ, but then he began to get influenced by the Jewish custom keepers and began to ignore Gentile believers and began to eat with his Jewish brothers. So this is where I want to jump into the passage here in Galatians chapter 2. You can... If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there or you can look up at the screens. I've got the scriptures there for you. Let's see what Paul does here in addressing this problem because at the root of this problem was the fear of men or becoming a man pleaser, not a, a God pleaser. And this was causing a huge problem in the church. Let's look at verse 11. We're going to just look at verse 11 through 16 in Galatians chapter two. So here's where Paul opposes Peter and it says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when he arrived, he began to draw back, draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Speaking of the Jews, verse 13, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, another leader, was led astray. Verse 14, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of all of them, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And here's the kicker, verse 15 and 16. He says, we who are Jews by birth, not Uh, gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law he's not justified. he doesn't become a follower of jesus he doesn't become a christian by doing all the do's and not doing all the don'ts but by faith in christ jesus so we too have put our faith in christ jesus that we may be justified by faith in christ everybody say amen That that is the clincher. He says, how we become a follower of Jesus is not by what we observe. He says, we we become a follower of Jesus by not observing the law, but by observing the law, no one will be justified or made right before God. See, many people make the, the conclusion that, look at me, look at how righteous I am before God by all the things that I don't do or, 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 or by what I do do. I go, to, I go to church. I do all these things. but I, I tell people all the time, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, right? It, 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 it doesn't. It, you, it's not by this association. What makes you a follower of Jesus Christ is your faith in Christ Jesus and how he's changed your heart, So what I love about followers of Jesus is they can come in all different kind of flavors, all different kind of looks. See, that's why I love going on missions trips, because when you go on a missions trip, you're immersed in a completely different culture that's different from ours. Their worship is different. Many times we go to Central America, and their worship is loud, it's loud, and it's loud, and it's rocking. I love it. It's just, and they're worshiping, they're dancing, and it's, it may be a lot different from some of the cultural things. Doesn't And sometimes we come with this mentality that, that the way we worship God is better. Or what we do is better. And when you go there, you realize their culture is different. And the way they worship God may be different. Their style of worship may be different. But they love God just as much as we do. In fact, they may love God even more. And so we have to be careful observing people on the outside and making these critical judgments. On people without really knowing where their heart is with God. See, see, that's what Jesus is really looking at. He's looking at your heart. Yes, we need to live lives that are holy. Yes, we need to avoid sin. Yes, there needs to be fruit from our lives. There needs to be if if Jesus has transformed our heart, it's going to be seen in the way we live our life and the way we avoid certain things. But what they were saying was just the opposite. They were saying by what you did is what you is what made you a follower of Jesus. So by observing some of these customs, it made you a Christian. That doesn't make you any more of a Christian than, than, than just going to church and saying, I just go to church. That doesn't make you a Christian. I read my Bible. That doesn't make you a Christian. It's, has Christ changed your heart? See, Paul makes this key thing where he says, have you been justified? Has God made you right in Christ Jesus? See, why was this such a concern to Paul? See, what's interesting here is the fact that Peter started eating with Gentile, uh, gen- he started at the beginning eating with Gentile Christians. And so in the Old Testament, there was these clean laws where the regulations that worshippers had to follow in order to worship God. Gentiles were considered unclean, If you ate or touched a Gentile, you would be considered unclean, or you would consider to have cooties. And so you'd have the Gentile cootie, and you couldn't uh, worship God in the temple. And so when Jesus would eat with Gentiles or hang out with prostitutes and tax collectors who was seen as the worst of the worst, everybody would go, look what Jesus is doing. But Jesus was making a point. He said, that's who I came for. That's who I came to reach. That's why I'm going to give my life on the cross for those, not for the self-righteous who think that they're perfect by how they keep the law, but I'm actually going to come for those who everybody else has disregarded. Everybody else who thought, eh, they're, they're, they're done. There are ways we, we look at them as the lower end of society and they're sinners. But Jesus says, you know what? They're the ones that I came for. I came for the sick, not the healthy. See, Jesus was the fulfillment of these laws, and now these laws have passed away because Jesus had fulfilled them perfectly. God even sent Peter a vision to show him that the ceremonial laws had passed away, that God showed him that no one is unclean who is in Christ. We are now one Jew, Gentile, man, woman. And so Peter, after this vision, didn't have an issue eating with Gentiles, but all of a sudden he does. What happened? Peter withdrawing drawing from Gentiles is hypocritical and Paul confronts him on it. So what is the hypocrisy? Did his convictions change? Did Peter not believe that we're all one in Christ Jesus? I don't think it was any of that. I think verse 12 gives us the answer. I think he was fearful of man. He fell into the trap of being a man pleaser. And that's what caused this hypocritical, and I'm going to call it an attitude, because I think every single one of us can fall into this trap of, of having this hypocritical type attitude. I remember when I was a youth pastor in South Carolina, I remember just talking with teens. And I remember talking with this this one boy, and he was just very confused. He was like 16, 17 years old. He goes, Pastor Barron, can I just speak, to, speak with you? I said, sure, man, let's talk. He says, I got a big problem. And I go, well, what's your, you know, what's your problem? And he says, you know, my dad, he comes to church and he acts one way in church, but he's not like that at home. He'll come and he'll worship the Lord and he'll talk the talk and everybody thinks he's such a great. And I knew who the guy was. And I, I was like, yeah, your dad seems to be like a great guy, but he goes, he's not that way at home. He yells at my mom. He's really rough on me. And he goes, I, I just know what to do because he's one way at church and he's a completely another way at home. See, what's at the root of that? Well, yeah, it's, it's hypocritical, but there's this fear of trying to please people at church and, 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 and there's this displacement of I care more about what people think than actually what God thinks. See, and here's where we need to be careful. Because we can get so concentrated on what people think that we forget that we're here because of what Christ has done for us. My identity has to be attached to Christ and what he did for me. And listen, every single one of us struggle with being people pleaser. We we want people to recognize us. We, we want to be different. We want people, you know, and, and, and so we, we all struggle with this this ambition to to allow people to give us accolades, and so, um, I've got I've got this checklist in your notes. I want to just go through this real quick as we go on with the, with the word here with the message. But David Quoud, I, I read this article by him. And I thought it was really interesting because he he gives signs that that maybe you're struggling with the fear of men. So I, I want to look at a couple things here. Here here are some signs. That, that, that maybe you, you can give a self-evaluation that you might be struggling with the, the fear of, of, of man. So let me just give you a couple. We just, there's 12 here. Let me give, go through them real quick here. First of all, have you ever struggled with peer pressure? Now, we think of peer pressure as being in high school, Right? Don't follow what the kids, if your friend jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? Remember, you know, yeah, I would jump off a bridge if I, wrong, right? So, but let me tell you, adults have the same struggle of this peer pressure of trying to fit in. See, peer pressure is simply a euphemism for the fear of man. You're trying to fit in to please, at the end of the day, it's pleasing other people. Second thing, are you overcommitted? Do you find it hard to say no when wisdom indicates that you should say no? See, this is another euphemism for the fear of man, being overcommitted, not being able to say no to people. Do you, do you ever find yourself hoping that when someone asks you to do something, you're hoping you're, you're committed somewhere else? Like you can actually have to give someone an excuse to say, I'd love to do that, but I can't because I got this. Right? You ever see that with people, like when they can't go somewhere or do something? They always, you know, I see it on Facebook a lot when you're invited to a party or something. Someone says, "Oh, I can't because blah blah," and you have to give an excuse because you feel you just can't say no. You have to give an excuse for why because you feel like you're going to let that person down. It got real quiet, and you come on. You know what I'm talking, right? You know I'm right, right? and and that. That it's, it's, it's good to be sensitive people. You don't want to hurt people. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is please that person. Cause we don't necessarily want to let them down or have them look at us in a different way. Let's look at the next one. It, it, do you, do you need, and I have this in quotations, need something from your spouse. Now we all should have healthy marriages. That's, that's fine. But, but what can happen is when it becomes people pleasing is that you need, you have to have this respect and, and your spouse has to listen to you. And see, the problem is, unless you understand the biblical parameters of marital commitment, your spouse will become the one you fear. Your spouse will be the one that actually controls you. Your spouse will quietly take the place of God in your life if you're not careful. And so that's hitting really close to home there. Look at the next one. Is self esteem a critical concern for you? Self esteem. And it, I want to be careful here because I think it's important that we encourage people. But how many know that we live in a society where everything is very kid centric, very child centric? everybody's special, everybody's a snowflake, Every, right? And I, I think that can actually, if we're not careful, that doesn't mean we don't encourage, cause I, I'm not saying that. But if we're not careful, that could backfire on us. Because how many know that there's the real world? And when you go in the real world, right, and you grow up, you realize not everything is going to work out the way you plan. Um, that there are going to be people that are better than you at certain things that not everyone is going to appreciate everything that you do. And so we have to be careful that we live in a reality. And if my, if my self-esteem is attached to this, well, I'm special, I'm a snowflake, and this is what I was told, everybody should get trophies, everybody should get right, and we're told this, and all of a sudden we get in the real world, and then we're disappointed because the rug gets pulled out from underneath us because that's not reality. There needs to be a balance there. So is self-esteem a critical thing for you? Number Five, do you ever feel as if you might be exposed as an impostor? See, this is where we get this feeling like if people really knew my struggles or what I was going through, I would feel fearful that I would be exposed and i would i 'm fearful of being judged that 's what i don 't like about church many times is because when we 're open with what we 're struggling with there 's that fear of being judged. Because many times in church cultures, we just want to say, everything's okay. My kids are fine. Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. To God be the glory, right? We always say, everything's wonderful. I'm just bl- hashtag blessed, right? You know what? Sometimes it's not like that. And, and we're fearful of saying, hashtag, I'm a mess, because in reality, if I say that, I might be judged and, and I might get exposed as like, well, maybe I'm not as strong a Christian as everyone thinks that I am or that I p- portray to everybody else because I want them to know, oh, I'm praying through it, brother and sister, and I'm, I'm strong and I'm going to do this. To, God's going to get, yeah, he can. But the problem is, am I more worried about what people think than really sharing what I'm really going through? And I love when people are raw with their feelings. Because it shows that they really need help and they're not worried about what other people think they're more worried about getting through it and i think that's the reason why so many christians struggle is because we we walk in such fear that we're going to be exposed or judged because we're not as spiritual as the next person we need to get over that because if we're going to be the church of jesus christ We've got to realize that we all have issues, we all have problems, and we need each other to help you. We, we need to feel that vulnerability that I can, I can, I can allow my vulnerability to be shown to people so that they can pray for me. That that we expose that lie that um, I shouldn't share what I'm really going through. Are you always second guessing decisions because of what other people might think? This is a hard one. Are you afraid of making mistakes that will make you look bad in other people's eyes. So are you always second guessing maybe the decisions that you make? I should have, And a lot of that comes from the fear of people. Number seven, do you feel underappreciated? Now, have you ever felt this way? I do all these things. No one ever notices. Um, here's the problem. When you feel unappreciated, it's because you need many times it's because we need people to notice us. Not only do we need people to notice this but 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 does it go to the point to where not only do I want people to notice me but i want I want people to applaud, affirm and and, and, and cheer me on um, and, and do we get our worth or our value from other people 's affirmation now that is an empty pit that can never be filled because because once we feel that affirmation. And and we feel like we're validated from people. Guess what? It lasts for about an hour. It lasts for about a day. And then we got to go back on feeling, okay, now I've got to be appreciated. Now it's great to appreciate people. We should encourage people. We should, we should do those things. But if me, when I'm thinking to myself, if I'm looking for these things for validation, I got a hundred likes yesterday. I need to have 101 likes on Facebook to feel Validated, right? Why didn't this person like my picture? What's going on? Are they mad at me? What's going on here? How come people didn't talk back to me at Snapchat? Why didn't they say anything? Why didn't they do this? What's going on there? Blah, blah, blah. Right? There's this. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Get really quiet in here. Okay. Um, what, what's going on there many times, once again, I'm not against anything socially. None of those, none of those things are, are, are intrinsically wrong, but I'm saying this. If I'm looking to those things to feel appreciated or pe- feel applauded or feel affirmed, it's okay to talk about your family. It's okay. That, that's, I'm not saying anything's wrong there. But if I'm looking back, checking every five minutes to see where the status is. There's a problem. Houston, we've got a problem. Because now I'm looking to people for my affirmation to make me feel valuable. 100, 200, 1,000, 10,000, 20,000, 1 million likes will never do that. Because you're going to owe, it's, it's, I remember as a kid going to Seabreeze, and back in those days, they had a—you know—they still do—they really nice merry-go-round. Back in those days, you could gra- grasp the brass ring. How many remember that? Where you could—good, you're old like me. So you'd be on the horse. And and you could lean off, and I think too many people died doing it because they fell off the horse trying to gra- grab the brass ring, right? And and you could see as you go around, you see how many you can collect. I remember my friend's dad; he was like six foot five, so he could just he could grab, and he'd always get. And I remember for me, I just wasn't tall enough, right? It was just always out of my reach for people that weren't as tall, and and, and that's the problem. With affirmation it 's always just out of our reach it 's just one more like one more this, one more that, and it 's just that brass ring that 's always just out of our reach number eight do, do, do you get easily embarrassed and so what do I mean by that if you 're easily embarrassed by things, if so people it might be that people and their perceived opinions probably define you, so you 're you're more concerned we all do dumb things. Okay. We all get embarrassed, but sometimes if we get easily embarrassed about everything, we're probably a little bit more concerned with the opinions of others because those opinions are, are defining us. Um, Do you ever lie? Or especially these little white lies. Okay. Now, what do I mean by that? Many times there, we, we form our sentence or this view about ourselves. That's really not completely a hundred percent. The truth because we're trying to make ourselves look better in front of people. So you're having this conversation. You know it's not completely the truth, but we're, we're, we're bending it. It's a white lie. We're bending it just to make ourselves look better in front of that person so that person has a different view about us. Are we trying to make ourselves look better before people? Are you jealous of other people? Many times the reason why we're jealous of other people is that actually their possessions are controlling us. And so when we look at what other people have, and somebody always has something better, more improved, newer model, more square footage, better job, blah, blah, blah. The story goes on, right? What happens is their possessions are actually controlling you. And so if you find yourself looking at other people, judging them for what they have, And making comments, blah, blah, blah. Who do they think they are? They must be in real debt. Like you've never said that before, right? And we we, we say things like this. And the problem is their possessions actually are controlling us. People pleasing, controlled by the fear of of man. Um, Do do other people often make you angry or depressed? Um, Are they making you crazy? If so, they're, they're probably the controlling center of your life. Once again, people-pleasing. Um, here's the last one. Do you avoid people? Even so, <laughs> you, you say, I might, uh, you know, I might not care about people or, or what they think. Even in that instance, they're still controlling you by avoiding them because you're not dealing with the real issues. So I'm just going to avoid and not deal with it. But in fact, they are controlling you. Some of you may be thinking, well, Pastor, none of these things really have hit home. I hope they have. I hope we're honest with ourselves. But see, here's even a bigger risk is when we compare ourselves with other people. If we've ever felt this way, that by comparing ourselves to other people, do we feel better about ourselves? And I, and I believe this is probably the most dangerous form of fear of man, because I believe this is the successful fear of man. We feel good about ourselves, but our lives are still defined by other people rather than God. So even by comparing ourselves to other people, this is the successful fear of man. I feel better about comparing myself to other people. That's very dangerous because they're still controlling us and we're being defined by other people rather than God. Now, some of these may have caused a big ouchie and I hope it did. I hope there's some ouch moments for us. But, but if we do any of this, what we're doing is we're defining our, ourselves by others. And here's, here's the point. Peter, Peter's mistake was trying to define himself with his Jewish brothers. That's what Peter's mistake was. And what Paul does here is Paul addresses the heart of the matter. Peter was not acting in line, Paul says, with the truth of the gospel. And so what Peter allowed himself to do is Peter allowed his nationalism to trump what was at the heart of the gospel message. He allowed his bias of being Jewish override the fact that we are one in Christ Jesus. And we can all fall into this trap. My way is the best way. Even in church, we can think that our distinctives are the best way and the way we even worship God is a better way. We may even politely sit by other people who are different from us in church but outside of church, we may never eat with them because we tend to congregate around people who are just like us. So how do we get in line with the gospel and not fall prey to the fear of man? And here's the point I want to make this morning. You see, at the heart, of the fear of man, or trying to find our confidence in man, is justification. That that's that's what Paul says. Because what I'm what I'm actually trying to do is be validated by what others think. I, I, I don't think what I don't think what Paul's saying here to Peter is that you're grossly sinning. He goes, I just think your attitude is wrong. I think you've you've gotten you've gotten off base. Um, And how many know that we can get offline in our life really quickly, right? We can easily get offline. I mean, that's why we have our car in alignment. If you take your hand off the steering wheel, um, don't do that, by the way. Um, You can tell if your car's out of alignment really quick, can't you? Because it will start to veer off. And that's why they have the little things in the road. If you fall asleep, it wakes you up. If you begin to veer off the road. And see, this is what Paul says. Paul says, listen, you're veering, you're veering off. You've gotten away from the centrality of the gospel message. So let me finish with this. Let me let me, wrap, let me land the plane. Let me wrap it up here. Uh, here's what Paul says. Paul uses a big word called justification. So it, that's a big word. So what does is, what is, what is the big word mean? What does the big word justification mean? Justification is actually a legal term where God declares us righteous in Christ before him. But what God does is he takes it a step further. In Christ, by putting my faith in Christ... God not only declares me righteous and right before God, but then what happens is Christ's righteousness and what he's done for me is now imputed into my life where I am righteous now before God. It's a legal term. Legally, I am right before God, that I can stand before a holy God in Christ Jesus, not based on all the things I've done, but based on all the things that Jesus has done for me. And so if I were to die and stand before a holy God and God were to say to me, pardon, why should I let you into my heaven? Look at all the things you've thought. Look at all the things you, you, you've done in, in your life. Do you remember the time when you were a kid and you ran across the neighbors um, across the street and pulled up all their, all their tulips? Do you remember when you did that, Barton? By the way, I did do that. I'm sorry, I'm confessing. Oh, hey, Lord. I don't know why I did that. It was just... Satan in me. I don't know why. Do you remember when you did that, Bard? You remember all the. And, 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 and God could just flash this thing before me, right? And I would sit there and go, I don't deserve to go to heaven. From ev- and that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? And God says, No, Barden, I'm not basing it on that. I'm basing it on your faith in Christ Jesus now. That in Christ Jesus, Christ has made you right. Because he's perfect and he's righteous. So that doesn't mean we're never going to make another mistake in the rest of our lives, but it means legally before God, I am declared righteous before him. So when I understand that now in my life, I'm like, God, I want to please you now. I don't want to please man anymore. I want to please you because you're the one who's made me right. None of these people can ever justify me. Whenever you feel that, that, that this people-pleasing thing is creeping into your heart in life, remember who you are In Christ Jesus now. Remember that he's justified you. Remember that you don't need to be validated. By people any longer. That I'm accepted in Christ. He accepts me. He loves me. He died for me. And so when I come to the Lord. That's where repentance comes in. That's where I say God. Thank you for forgiving me. Of all my past mistakes. That I've missed you. But Jesus you still love me. And you died for me. So let's finish this thing. Let's close. Well let me close here. Let's stop trying this pseudo attempt to find acceptance from other people. You will never ever be satisfied. If you never get noticed, if you don't get all those likes on social media. If you don't get the raise, if somebody else passes you up, if I didn't get complimented on how hard I worked, remember who you're doing it for. If you're doing it for Christ and for what he's done for you, you're not going to worry about what other people think about you. Now, that doesn't mean you act like a jerk and say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, right? Right? Some things we act like jerks and we deserve what we get from other people. But what I'm saying here is this is what I mean here. If I line up with myself with the gospel, I will tell myself I am already justified in God's eyes and I don't need to be justified in anyone else's eyes. And so what I do now is I want to please Christ. I want my motives to be those that are pleasing God and not trying to please everybody else around me. I, I, I literally believe there's some of you here today that this fear of people, and, and, and you know in your heart the things you struggle with and the people that you're trying to please. There are some of you here today that's like, man, I just could never get my parents' approval, and it's driving me nuts to this day. I never get my boss' approval. Nothing is ever good enough. You, you might be a young person here, and you feel the same way. And it just seems like it's never, ever enough. If, if, and, and I think what happens is in our Christian walk, then we turn very legalistic because then we just say, you know, I'm going to keep reading the Bible. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to do all this stuff to try to justify making up for gaining or not gaining the approval of other people. See, I want you to understand that your acceptance in Christ is everything. He, he really does accept you exactly the way you are. He says, come to me just as you are. Broken, beat up, tons of mistakes, wrong decisions. See, Jesus loves you too much to keep you where you're at. And he says, let me do the fixing up. Let me change you. See, all's repentance is, is a change of mind. I thought this way, this was wrong. And now I'm thinking a completely different way. My mind and my thought and my attitudes are are towards Christ and God and what he accomplished for me on the cross. See, when my validation comes from Christ and what he has done for me, it will put everything else in the right perspective. It will put everything else in the right perspective when my validation comes from Christ. Here's the thing. I'm going to end with this because I'm hoping this one thing is going to set some of you free. There was a girl in my youth group. I talk about her all the time because her testimony is unbelievable. You guys know the testimony. I talk about Kelly a lot. When I was a youth pastor girl in our youth, youth group. And I remember Kelly, when I first met Kelly, she always asked me, she was from a broken home. And she would always ask me, pastor, she came to our youth group she came to Christ. She got saved. She received Christ as Lord and Savior. She was growing. Really awesome, awesome girl and just really growing in her faith in Jesus. She kept coming up to me. Pastor Martin, did I ever? have I done anything wrong? I said, no, you're like the best kid in the youth group. What are you talking about? She said, I just want to make sure. Another week would go by. Pastor Barn. did I make you mad? Because you kind of looked at me funny. I said, Kelly, you're like the worst. And Then I start teasing her. Kelly, you're like the worst person in the youth group. Get a light. No, I wouldn't say that. To her. I said, Kelly, you're fine. What, what's? I just want to make sure. Come to find out, just months later, Kelly was sexually molested by her stepdad for seven years. So for Kelly, she had this huge acceptance issue that she wasn't good enough, and so her coming to Christ, she had this fear. Of being accepted and being validated. Today she is a pastor's wife. God's doing great things in her life, and, and God continues to bring the healing in her life. Amazing, just an amazing story. And so finally, I had to sit down with Kelly, I said, Kelly, look me in the eye. I want to tell you one thing. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You're accepted. You're in. He's never stopped loving you. He's not going to keep from loving you. You need to understand that. And I know she was looking at me as kind of an earthly father, because me and a couple other families just kind of a, just wrapped our arms around her and helped her through that. And so I, I know she needed a good male figure in her life that loved her for her. See for us in our lives, we we go through this battle of trying to gain this acceptance from everybody else and we've got to know that God's love for us is unconditional. It's not based on my performance. So when I mess up tomorrow, I've got to come back to the fact that God's not going to stop loving me. So for some of you here today and for myself included, are we trying to gain God's love through my performance? Listen, is God glad that you came to church today? Yeah. Does he have a little chart and a little checklist up in heaven checking every time you go to church? No. Okay? Not going to get to heaven and say, oh, you went to church on May, blah, 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 and good for you, and there's another little star on your forehead. He cares way more for you than that. He cares about your heart. And he wants you to know that you're accepted and that you're loved through Christ Jesus. That's what Paul. Let's circle it back around. That's what Paul was trying to remind Peter. Peter, get back in line with the gospel again. That God demonstrates his love towards us that while well, we're still sinners, Jesus died for us. Peter, get back in line. You're, don't try to find your approval through your, your Jewish buddies. Don't, that's not where you're finding it. It's when the gospel is central in your heart, there's going to be a love for everybody. You're not going to find it through validation through your buddies you got to come back to the gospel. You, gotta, you got off a little bit. Now come back. Come back. Get back in line with your relationship with Jesus and what he saved you from. And so as we close this service, today, I just want to pray for you today because some of you here today are really, I believe some of you are really struggling with that today in your lives. And I believe the only way you can be set free from that is through your relationship in Christ Jesus. He, he loves you more than anyone else has ever loved you. He accepts you more than anyone else has ever accepted you. He did everything for your benefit. Everything that he earned, he gives to us. We don't bring anything into this relationship, yet Jesus does everything for us, just as Pastor Jim said during the announcements. He does everything for us. So why not come to him? Why not come to him and say, Jesus, you, you've, you've got to straighten my life out. I've, I've made all these mistakes and, and, and I, need, I need that right relationship with you and only relationship with Christ can ever do that in your heart and life. So I going to pray for you. Why don't you bow your heads with me today? I going to pray for you today. Listen, his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How many you would you say, Pastor Barden, that's me today. Would you pray for me? I want you to raise your hand. I just want just raise your hand to say, Pastor, just pray for me. Good, 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 good. Amen. Good, 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 good. He he, he sees your heart. He sees you. He desires for you just to run to him. And, and God puts no barriers in front of you. So, Lord, for every person here today, I pray that you would reveal yourself in a in a true way that that the Bible describes you as Abba, Father. And and that Aramaic word describes a dad who we can run in and jump in his lap. And he's going to wrap his arms around us. And he's going to tell us that he loves us. And I pray, God, that that we would never try to find our validation through other people. So thank you for your word today. Thank you for the instruction that we had through, through your word, through the Apostle Paul of realigning ourselves with our relationship with Christ once again. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just break any hole that people have in their lives from the past or performance or other people or trying to be good enough or all the mistakes they made. Let them come back to that relationship, that fresh relationship with you where there's forgiveness, where you justify us, Christ. And then allow us to live our lives in gratitude for you, knowing that you're always going to receive us. Thank you that we have a faithful God, a perfect Savior, that we can confess all our sins to, who's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, take away... Take away our pseudo-attitudes, our fakeness around people and trying to gain our acceptance, our self-esteem from people. It'll never last. Help us to find our identity in Jesus and Jesus alone. So we just thank you for this time and for your word, God. And I pray that we would just go in that grace today and that, Lord, when we find ourselves trying to find approval of people, just... Through your Holy Spirit, catch us, convict us, and say, "That's who cares what people think? And help us to realize, Jesus, you're the only one that, that really matters in this situation. Catch us, God, of not trying to find our validation or approval by other people. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us. You're perfect in every way. May we just go in your grace now. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name.